Hey everyone, it's Bill D'Alessandro, one of your hosts here at Acquisitions Anonymous, and welcome back to another episode. Uh, this week, we have a really interesting business. It's an elevator installation and repair business. Um, Michael and I speculate a lot about whether this is home or commercial. We also dig into the roll-up strategy of one of the large acquirers in the space and talk about uh, the roll-up strategy of building to be acquired by a large strategic, kind of figuring out what their acquisition strategy is and tailoring your mini roll-up to ultimately be bought by them. Um, so I also want, just want to say, please hop on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are distributed. Please leave us a five-star review if you like this episode. It really helps us out a lot. Uh, we also are sponsored this week by cloudbookkeeping.com. Uh, if you own a business, doesn't have to be a cloud business, any type of business, um, and you don't like bookkeeping and who really does, uh, hop on cloudbookkeeping.com. Uh, they've been great friends of the pod for a long time, do great accounting and bookkeeping. They can help you out. Uh, and with that, let's get into this episode of Acquisitions Anonymous. Hey, Michael here. Want to talk to you about today's sponsor for the episode, uh, which is cloudbookkeeping.com. Uh, so Cloud Bookkeeping is actually run by my neighbor, Charlie. So I've met him in person and uh, can attest that he's a real human being and a good person. Uh, and what Cloud Bookkeeping does is offer a full suite of bookkeeping services uh, all in the cloud uh, for you around QuickBooks and other technologies that you're using as a small business owner. Uh, so if you're interested in getting the bookkeeping part of running a business off of your plate and focusing on running your business, uh, Charlie and his team are one to call. Um, they can put together a bunch of other stuff in terms of helping you manage and grow your business besides just bookkeeping, um, sophisticated reporting, uh, definitely helping you get your QuickBooks online set up in the right way, uh, and a number of things around payroll as well. So uh, definitely know them and recommend them. If you want to find out more about cloud bookkeeping, um, you can go to their website at cloudbookkeeping.com. Uh, reach out to Charlie. I know many of you have uh, and see if he can help you uh, make your running your business easier and more fun by uh, letting them help with a lot of the bookkeeping solutions. So, uh, and when you call, mention this podcast, uh, it would help us uh, and help Charlie know uh, that we're supporting him as well. So thanks a bunch and cloudbookkeeping.com uh, as the sponsor for today's episode. Michael, this week's deal is going up. <laughs> we, we have a pretty interesting uh, real estate related service and repair business, an elevator repair business this week. Uh, take us into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been, as a business nerd, I've been hugely fascinated by the the elevator world and like the, the economic dynamics of it are incredible. Uh, and in the way it's shaken out in modern times is there's only like a handful of, of elevator brands that are actually meaningful in each, in each country, right? Like if you go to Japan, right, it's uh, I think they're all Mitsubishi, right? And here in the U S there's two brands. Do you, can you name them off the top of your head, Bill? Do you know, do you know, Otis, the two that we sealed? there's Otis, Otis and then there's someone else. Yeah. The one that uh, starts with S it's um, Schindler. Schindler. Generally, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So there's like two brands. It's, and it's super interesting. It's like, wait, like we have 42 different manufacturers of cars, right? Uh, delivering cars, but really only two brands of elevators that matter in the United States. Like 
that's it's like a super weird natural monopoly. Um, so it's always fascinated me, and I, I did end up reading a business case, business school case study, even though I didn't go to business school uh, about it. And it's just fascinating how the dynamics ended up. So hopefully, I can I can do a decent job of bringing some of that in as we talk about this business. And it is from uh, the broker Transworld Business Advisors, and it's named East Coast Home Elevator Install and Service Business for Sale. Uh, and it is uh, described as the following. This business is poised for a new group or person to take us to the next level. Spreading up and down the East Coast would be very easy based on its current location in staffing. Owner has a bunch of ideas, yada, yada, yada. 2022 is showing a 38% sales increase, which projects close to $10 million in 22, uh, 2022 sales. So I'll go back down here to the bottom and just go through the numbers here so we can see them first before we read the rest of the description. The business is listed for $7.5 million. Uh, they list a down payment of $5 million, which is very interesting. And they claim that the business is generating $1.78 million in discretionary earnings, total sales of $6.8 million, and located in your neighborhood, uh, Bill, in North Carolina. So did, we figured out – it said Myrtle Beach. I thought Myrtle Beach was in South Carolina. That would be South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, um, that's very interesting. They might – a lot of companies around here do work in both states. Yeah. Well, because up here in the URL, they say locations Myrtle Beach. So it is what it is. I, coming from Texas, like if it gets out of the state here, it's really far away. <laughs> and I forget how Northern the East Coast South Carolina is. together are like East Texas. So, <laughs> oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. It's weird over there. So, it's uh, weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, my dad, you know, my dad did a lot of business in South Carolina, uh, down by Savannah area, Savannah, Georgia. And he just talks about mm -hmm. how weird everything was. Just totally fascinating type area. We think uh, you're anyway. weird down in Texas too, Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're probably right. Okay. So uh, this business has 28 employees, no inventory, no furniture, fixtures, and equipment. It was established in 2016. The owner is retiring. And so basically, um, so what these guys do and I'll kind of jump around here in the listing because uh, this is not really well organized by the broker Darlene here, who seems really nice. No, no hat and not touching her face. So good for Darlene in terms of her her profile photo. Um, so they service all different brands of elevators in addition to manufacturing, milling, and assembling their own hardware parts with new cutting edge technology in their precision machine shop. It is also included in the purchase price and has cut the cost of goods over half over the past year in addition to beginning to have its own standalone contracts for metal jobs. Uh, so the owner has consistently reinvested profits to purchase more state-of-the-art production equipment as they prepare to scale up operations. This is a one, this one if a kind business is a fast-growing home and commercial elevator company doing complete installations for existing or new construction homes. Uh, yada, yada, yada. They have a bunch of stuff and the owner is looking for the right company and offer to leave his legacy with. He is also available to stay on as an advisor or research and development consultant as needed. Owner wants to see the business grow, but also needs to spend more time with family. So semi-retirement is the next step and he can stay on part-time or as needed. Um, what else is, is on here that I missed? I think that's it. This is a, an, a commercial and residential home, a home. Oh, this is just home. This is very confusing. So they say home, but then here they say they do home and commercial elevator. So I guess they do both. Is that your reading here, Bill? Yeah, I think they do both. I mean, you'd have to. There's not a ton of, of home elevators out there. Um, you, you know, what's interesting, the thing you did miss that I think is really worth calling out is they put, they service all different brands of elevators in addition to manufacturing, milling, and assembling their own hardware parts 
with cutting-edge technology in their cutting-edge precision machine shop, which is included in the purchase price and, here we go, has cut cost of goods in half over the past year, uh, is in beginning also to have its own standalone contracts for metal jobs. So this is really interesting. So these guys are repairing elevators, and they need metal parts to do it. Some of those metal parts might be custom, you know, or not available if an elevator you know, brand or model is discontinued. So in the past, it seems like they're going out to other CNC machine shops and commissioning these parts to be made or milled. Uh, but they've decided to vertically integrate and they've got either bought or spun up their own precision machining in-house, which cuts their cost of good in half. Makes sense. They don't have to outsource that part of the business. Um, and then also they are now spinning up as kind of a parallel business here and kind of that classic turn your cost centers into revenue centers uh, you know, kind of strategy here. So I thought that was pretty cool and pretty sophisticated for a small business that it says here is doing, you know, less than $10 million of sales. Yeah. Well, and also kind of out of it's incongruous with what's what they say the story is here, right? Which is like, when was the last time you saw somebody who's in the last two or three years and getting ready for retirement, building out a new machine shop, right? It's just kind of, it's like, wait, why? Uh, people, people who are getting ready to retire in the next two to three years, they rarely take on new major initiatives because they're mentally already retired, right? They're just, they're just headed that way. So it's interesting. I would dig into this and understand, like, why did they do that? Like, is there some kid in the involved in the business that maybe there was a breakup recently and the kid left, but somebody had to go in there and have the initiative to build out that machine shop because that's not a trivial activity. Right. That's like a whole nother business to be in. And it doesn't make sense to me that somebody who's like ready to retire, like did that. Does it, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, I, well, that's what makes me wonder. Like maybe he's got a sick family member or something because he says he needs more time with family. So semi retirement is the next step. This kind of reads to me like somebody had a life uh, event. Yeah. You know, hmm. that's dropped the transaction. The other thing uh, that comes in oh, 2016, it was started in 2016. So it's only, you know, five or six years old, you know, I, I, something happened here. It's growing really well. Um, you know, he just invested a bunch of money. It's profitable. Uh, and he's retiring. I think this has got to be life event driven, which by the way, is a great reason to sell and buy a business. Those are my favorite scenarios as a buyer, because that's a plausible reason that like, there's not something the seller is trying to hide from you. Right. Like, oh, they're selling at the top or there's new regulation coming or, you know, like, I mean, as sad as it is, like my wife is six. And I want to and I want to spend more time with her. Yeah. That is a very transparent, ethical reason to sell a business. Yeah. And I think also it makes you feel good when you're involved in a situation like that. I mean, you know, for me, like I've done transactions where we've enabled somebody to go live their best life. And like, that's super fun. Like, like for a year afterwards, you're getting pictures of them like out fishing or you know, we did one in Europe where like the guy moved to like the south of, of Spain and was just like living, living his best life at like 72 and just like so stoked and so thankful because it, it turns into a win-win. Like that's, I think that's one of the nice things about this, like in buying businesses, you can actually really help people as well. Um, you know, despite it being kind of a naturally adversarial process at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned, Michael, uh, the beginning of the episode that there is a kind of natural duopoly here with Schindler and Otis. Um, it's important to know also if you're going to be coming into an industry like this, what's going on in the industry. So uh, I was doing some Googling and I'm semi-familiar with this because my wife used to work at a company called United Technologies, which is a big industrial conglomerate that owned Otis for about 45 years. Um, and they actually just spun it back out as an independent company in 2020. Um, so 
But what's interesting is if you look up Otis's kind of press releases, they're now publicly traded Otis Worldwide, OTIS on the New York Stock Exchange. So they put out press releases and you read their 10Ks and Qs, et cetera. Uh, one thing that their management is very transparent about pursuing is they have a strategy to roll up elevator servicing companies. So Otis makes the elevators, right? And then they go, geez, we want some more service revenue. You know, all these independent repair shops are backing me up all of the aftermarket work. Um, so they actually have recently announced several acquisitions. So for example, one I found very easily. And in 2020, Otis has acquired Bay State Elevator, which includes its service portfolio and operations in Massachusetts, Connecticut, Vermont, and upstate New York. Um, and the quote from the president of Otis Americas says, it demonstrates our commitment to strategically accelerate our service portfolio growth. Um, so depending on kind of the I imagine there's a very specific template for what Otis, and I imagine Schindler's probably doing the same thing, right? Because uh, birds of a feather flock together. So I bet the thing here in for large elevator manufacturers is to roll up their service providers. Um, so there could be a very interesting M&A strategy here to look around the country, right? Because they're going to want scale. The one I just read was in like four or five states. So there could be an M&A strategy where you go around and you do the mini roll up. Right. Put them all. You get North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia and Virginia. You do a couple of years of integration and then you flip it to Otis um, for what I would imagine is huge multiple expansion. Um, so but what you'd have to do is you have to buy them right. You'd have to make sure that the ones you bought uh, not only were good businesses on their own, but were focused on Otis Elevator. Right. We're mostly commercial because I imagine that's what Otis cares about. You know, you have to kind of figure out the profile. Uh, but there's there's a whole kind of strategy of figure out which large corporates are doing rollups and then do mini rollups and sell them. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, that was and that that was my big question as we were, we started talking about this was this is like prime time private equity some bigger buyer who has cheaper capital than you. Why you know, to me it was like well wait why haven't they bought this yet. And, you know, I think it ties back to kind of one of the things we see often, which is you and I dig into these things. We're like, I don't know anything about this industry. Well, let's start thinking about it. And to me, the actual most fun thing in terms of like looking at businesses to buy is learning about the industry through that process. Right. Like, um, so I don't, I don't, I'm sure you've gone through this too, Bill, but like the best way to hear about that industry is to talk to an expert and the person that will definitely tell you the truth or some variation of the truth is somebody trying to sell their business and we'll give you a lot of context on it. Um, you know, it's, it's fine and dandy to go to GLG or one of these expert networks, but man, the person who's like been in there in the trenches running one of these little businesses, like you'll learn so much, right? Like I've learned so much about little tiny software businesses by talking with hundreds of owners to understand where their challenges are and stuff like that. And that's the same thing here. But to tie all that back, it's like, well, wait, like private equity, if you look at the, the macro here, private equity has had a bazillion uh, uh, amounts of money, has been doing roll-ups for decades, has seen that uh, this type of services, especially when you're dealing with a life or death product like elevators can be hugely valuable. You can extract a lot of, a lot of value out of it. And they haven't bought this yet, right? Like that makes me wonder that there's something going on here that we just don't understand. Yep. Which there might be. I mean, this could be, it could be not that it's a bad business, but it could be, as we suggested, maybe just mostly home, maybe like 70% of the portfolio is home elevators. And that's not attractive to Otis corporate, which means it's not attractive to roll up to private equity, which means those buyers are passing on it. It doesn't mean it's bad, but you'd want to understand why that dynamic before you bought this business. Yeah. So I actually, my, my house has an elevator in it. I don't know if I ever told you this. 
No. All right. So are you a customer? You would be if they were in Texas. Uh, maybe. Well, okay. So here's the deal. We bought the house from uh, a very nice couple who retired and moved out to a lake somewhere, right? And they're good people, but their daughter had uh, a physical disability or set of physical disabilities that required them to install an elevator in the house. So we have an elevator. We use it maybe two times a month because <laughs> because we're just like, you know, we're trying to have the family move more. So we're just like, no, walk your butt up the stairs. Um, and sometimes we use it to move luggage and laundry and stuff like that. But by and large, we never, we never do it. Uh, you know, I think the, the interesting thing here about the, what's going on in this market is, you know, as you start to look at baby boomers who are getting to an age where moving up and down stairs are a problem. Uh, there are a lot of two and three story homes, especially here in Texas and, and built around the country in the suburbs that they're not going to move out of, but they're going to have to figure out how to get upstairs. Um, so I've seen a lot of that where, you know, at least here, the new installs and the service, like this appears to be a growing market is it, and I like that aspect of it, but I bet you're exactly right, Bill. I bet when you dig into this business, it's 90% home. And then there's some commercial stuff here and there that they do, but by and large, that commercial stuff is going towards the Otis partner because it's interesting. I would have expected them like say Otis and Schindler to be, if they were a commercial heavy, heavy service provider to list that they're a partner with those, those folks. Right. Because, because just like, um, just like the aftermarket, like aerospace parts, right. Where people will pay $50 for a 45 cent nut or a bolt to fix their plane because you don't want the plane falling out of the sky because you save you save 30 cents on a bolt the same thing goes on with schindler and 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 otis right where you pay up for the parts um, but these guys are not doing that they're not reselling those parts or they're not getting them from the manufacturer to, to service those things which has me to bring this all the way back to the circle circle of life here which means like i think they're they're maybe doing very little commercial stuff i bet you're going to see this as mostly home and that's why this business is still on the market yep i would think so too uh, doesn't mean it's a bad business just means it might not be roll upable yeah. Well, I mean, and so the dynamics are totally different in home and you can see it in, in the case of who makes the brands of those home elevators, right? Um, the ones that we have at my house, I don't know who, who made that and I don't care. Uh, cause so what if, so what if it breaks? Like we're not going to use it anyway, but if your elevator breaks in a 30 story building, uh, like you got some real problems, right? And it's a total different dynamic where you don't have the things happening in commercial happening at home. Um, my parents have a house with an elevator in it, totally different, you know, totally different manufacturer. I don't even know, I don't even know who the manufacturer is and I don't think anybody cares. Uh, they may not even be in business anymore because it's been in there for 15 years, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's important what you did note though about new installs in the home, because, you know, as we have this big aging population, the trend is, you know, I think we've done a, a deal on a home healthcare provider before the trend toward aging in place, right? Wanting yep. to stay in your home longer rather than go to an elder care home. Um, and a big thing is you've got a two story house, you're going to need an elevator. Um, my parents are hoping to stay in their home and they've got a two story house and they've already figured out if we need it, this is exactly where the elevator is going to go, right? Like they got a plan. Um, so I would think there's a pretty good tailwind on home elevators, even if it's not as attractive margin rise as commercial ele elevators. Uh, it's interesting. I just clicked on the broker to try to figure out where we think this is. It's definitely in Myrtle Beach because all of her other listings are all in Myrtle Beach. Everything she has here. Ooh, check this out, Bill. Okay. A fine dining Miami style restaurant. They're just calling for a man with your. 
<laughs> this is, this, like if you had to give me a list, like Gridley, make a list of businesses Bill would most hate to run, and a Miami style restaurant in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, would be the top five. The <laughs> that only makes two hundred thousand dollars a year and ruins your life. <laughs> Uh, oh man that would be an awesome reality show like if you were running this and i would just show up and order like miller lights and get really drunk in your bar every night (laughs) i think it'd be awesome Uh, like (laughs) over you know then then my hostess has to throw you out and then she's in my office crying because she's like well i'm completely damaged because of you yeah, that'd be great. Oh, they have that yeah. show, Undercover Boss, but it could be the opposite of that, where it's like girdly drunk at your business. <laughs> That's the whole business. <laughs> That's the whole show. Girdly uh, terrorizes your business. What do you do? <laughs> like, uh, you, girdly you comes some... into your, your med spa and asks you to wax his entire body. What do you do? <laughs> Ooh, man, I think that would hurt. Uh, she has another listing here for a burger fi style super trendy burger place uh that it's it's doing supposedly ninety thousand a year in seller discretionary earnings and one hundred and fifty nine thousand which i just i i queued on this just because i've loved the burger fi chain but a few i don't know if you have you been to burger fi do they have that in no in North, Carolina? North carolina so burger fi is basically it is like a burger cafe that is walk-in only uh, in in most of the places, and they serve like organic, high-quality beef, like very high-quality potatoes. So it's like a step above your. It's like what Whole Foods is to like grocery. It is that for burgers, right? And like my kids oh, and yeah. I used to go there all the time. Um, and it's interesting to see the one near us like close down. Like they stop. They stop doing well. Um, so it, it's I think a testament to that kind of that franchise challenge that you have is franchising can be amazing. If you, we talked about this in previous episodes, franchise can be amazing if you get on the right franchise, but like if you get on the wrong one, like, you know, you're going to, you're going to, sh- you share in the upside, you're going to share in the downside too. Uh, I think we got to get someone on the show who likes is like making a ton of money in franchise restaurants or really even non-franchise restaurants. Cause God, I hate restaurants so much. Like they give me the willies I mean, just the real, like nights and weekends, you know, low rent employees, drunk customers, thin margins. I mean, oh my God, it's just my nightmare business. But, you know, some people make a lot of money in them. We should have someone on that, like a good restaurant. I would love to see it. Yeah. Amazing. Back to the elevator thing. Um, so one of the things that's it's cute on me is this pattern where you can make a ton of money is if you can figure out how to align yourselves as closely as possible to life or death decisions for purchasing agents, you can make a lot of money. And that's like, to some extent, how Otis and Schindler and all those guys have incredible aftermarket parts businesses. It's because like, hey, if you put the wrong cable on this or the wrong button or the wrong computer on this on this elevator you're going to potentially hurt people. And the same thing goes also for, I, I don't know if you've listened to it, the 50X podcast that Patrick O'Shaughnessy put out recently about trans time. Yeah. Have, you, have you listened to that? Yeah. I definitely recommend it. They have like, um, they interview like the guy who like put it all together. It's basically a PE roll-up done as an opco. And uh, like what they figured out was all of these like airplane part manufacturers were way undercharging for aftermarket parts. So basically their whole model is Transdime was to go in, buy these companies, run them a bit better, and then like 5X all the aftermarket parts and everybody would just keep paying. 
Like it was just, it was just yeah. amazing. So I highly recommend that podcast uh, after you, uh, listener, uh, <laughs> give us a five-star review for this podcast. <laughs> well, I love that as a roll-up strategy because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to do a roll-up and they like big brain it. And they're like, okay, we're going to outsource all the back office ops to India. And then, you know, we're going to strike a, a huge agreement with the one chicken supplier and share costs across all of our restaurants. And like, there's just a lot of execution risk there. But I love the thesis where it's like, we're just going to buy them or we're going to raise the price. We don't, we don't have to do anything else. We'll buy them, raise the price, like integrate the operations a little bit. But if all we do is raise the price, the thesis works, right? I just love that, the simplicity. Super cool. Well, hey, I, I got to end at this one. I got to jump on another call. But this is, uh, this is a fun one. I love, I love yeah. me some elevators. Love it. Elevate. You start with elevators and we're all over the board. That's what makes Activisions Anonymous great. Uh, that's it for another episode. We'll see you all next week.